Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Tipsy Ghost. We're your Tipsy Host, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay. Hi. Thanks for the double nods, everyone. (laughs) I heard a story the other day. Just I thought it was fascinating. I didn't know if you guys knew about this, that in 1985, police sent Super Bowl playoff tickets to criminals. No. And had them show up and be arrested. (gasps) That's so mean. (laughs) That is so clever. (laughs) The Hufflepuff and the Ravenclaw right there. (laughs) That is so clever. And I'm like, that's so mean. (laughs) Three weeks before Super Bowl in 1985, they sent over 3,000 invitations (laughs) um, to alleged criminals. Here's my concern, though. Why did they want that many criminals? At the biggest, they were one of the biggest them. events in America. So they couldn't collect the tickets. Oh. They gave them like, they sent them, um, what am I trying to say? Like a like placeholder. Yeah. Box. And they said, well, you have to show up <laughs> in order to get it. So these people were like outstanding warrants and things like that that just weren't showing up to the police station. And so they sent these out to the criminals and um, about 100 people showed up. Wow. You're telling me that police <laughs> had their addresses. To mail them this stuff, but couldn't just go to the house. Maybe they were just like, that's too much work right now. Knock, knock. Hello. Can you just come to us? <laughs> <laughs> that's so mean. I think it's brilliant, but I think it's also really shitty. Yeah. They got their hopes up. Like one side of me is like, okay, that's a good idea to round up criminals, but the other side's like, I don't it's like how up. that feels. I know. Let's I feel do torn. this in front of like a sporting event. Yeah. <laughs> Like most widely publicized. And they were like a broad range. Here, I'll read to you. It says, in the end, more than 100 suspects attended this event. And then they identified themselves and they were arrested. And out of this bunch, two people were wanted for murder. Oh, my gosh. They're children at the Super Bowl. (laughs) Okay. Well, see, that's a positive. Five for robbery, 15 for assault, six for burglary, one for rape, and another for arson. And the rest, I don't know. Probably like traffic stuff and outstanding warrants. Yeah. They felt like it was a success. The police did. <laughs> Out of 3,000, that's not a success. They're bringing you know, all I agree. these people to like all these innocent people. It was called families. Operation Flagship. Stop it. I'm serious. That's dumb. I would have called it like Operation Super Bowl. That's Operation <laughs> Operation Football. Paper clip. <laughs> yeah, it could be something stupid. Pepperoni. Like paper clip. <laughs> Operation Turf. Okay, Operation Chili go. Dogs. <laughs> oh, chili Dogs sound good. <laughs> it's going to be something that's Super Bowl food. Yeah. Okay. Operation Chicken Wing. Chicken Wing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there you go. I'd never heard of that, and I thought it was kind of a, you know, we were talking about ethics not that long ago that's and ethical true. behavior, and I'm like, huh. It's unethical. Just here's your that's warning. Me. People, if you have a warrant out for your arrest, do not accept Super Bowl tickets. You will be arrested. <laughs> Don't accept fake. anything free. Your it's luck is not that good. So if I got something in the mail that said, congratulations, you won free Super Bowl tickets, come to Will Call. I'm like, that's a scam. <laughs> uh, obviously. They deserved to get caught because they believed like, it. <laughs> before we knew about like phishing emails and scamming They thought emails. it was the Prince of Nigeria I mean, who was sending yeah. it to them. Which I have had several requests made for like me giving me them all of my information so they can send me millions of dollars you okay get, we get hit up on the instagram all the time oh i know yeah they want us to be an upper <laughs> an <laughs> official athlete <laughs> they said they like our content we should be official athletes i'm like do they we know looking us? For athletes for our page i'm like uh literally nothing we post is about it was boydston's high kick i think <laughs> 
It was. <laughs> I am the athlete of this trio. Obviously. And now her riding the broom for Quidditch. Yes. <laughs> yes. Also amazing. Lindsay and I have yet to leave the ground. We've done everything <laughs> ground level. I I won't be videoing myself jumping anytime soon. Well, I have several times. You should try it. You look like a natural. I don't. Thank you, though. Just floating through the breeze <laughs> on an invisible broomstick. Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's me. I'm Harry Potter. This is Quidditch. I did a deep lunge. <laughs> oh, yes, you did. You did. Also, that fetal position was really good. Thank you. Yeah. Took a lot of ab strength. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering what we're talking about. Just go to our Instagram. <laughs> I make an excellent Voldemort and I am great at Quidditch. I did nothing except I like that you brag about loud. being Voldemort. Yeah. I play Voldemort. I am not Voldemort. <laughs> I want I want you to know that I really had to draw that out of you artistically. Oh, I'm sure you <laughs> it did. It took several minutes of me going, do your Voldy. <laughs> I edited that all out. As if I have uh, like some Voldemort backup play <laughs> I inside was trying me. To peer pressure in there you. all the time. <laughs> just need to come out (laughs) and then i go just lay down and be dead voldemort (laughs) now that i can do (laughs) i'm sure that's what i said well i don't remember it but you did you did say now (laughs) and i liked it quite a bit yeah Lindsay, though you won you won the video for sure yay yeah the commitment was spot on (laughs) (laughs) i was just trying to match your energy in the beginning and then i just (laughs) kept laughing it was too funny Oh, I've had a lot of practice. (laughs) (laughs) Boyd Singh got a little uh, disturbed by my speaking parcel tongue. It did sound demonic. I'm not going to lie. It (laughs) did. You did it a couple times. I only put in that one little clip. And you look look really scary. (laughs) Who's telling us the story tonight? Oh, it's me. Hi. Hi. She's the problem. It's her. Hi. Hi. Um, here's your category. I'm going to tell you about a family vacation gone wrong. Ooh, true, true crime. <laughs> oh, how did you know? Because you set us up perfectly. We're so smart. <laughs> okay. A family vacation gone wrong. Gone wrong. It was wrong. Dayline. Keith Morrison? Is uh, that you? I wish. She could light up a room anytime <laughs> she walked into it. No, the lights turn off when she walks in. That's me, according she to Lindsay. She the lights every time. <laughs> cool don't think about that every day (laughs) well to be fair i think i started it and Lindsay just followed up with you turned off the lights what was your seasoning again that we finally discussed paprika Paprika. (laughs) no i thought we changed it from paprika to like onion powder or garlic powder or something (laughs) also basic yeah she was the garlic powder of life in the pantry of spices (laughs) the pantry of life yes oh there it is Clever. We got there. It's going on your tombstone. We've already paid for it. <laughs> Why am I dying before you guys? <laughs> We're not. We just paid way in advance. I am the athlete of the family. <laughs> it's in case we die first. We want this on your tombstone. It has to be there. Okay. It's out in the public. The garlic now. of life. The garlic powder in the pantry of life. <laughs> the garlic powder in the pantry of life. Plays a great role. It's mark. <laughs> and that is my episode title. <laughs> Turns off the lights everywhere she goes. <laughs> i don't remember saying that but if i did i'm so sorry it's okay i haven't taken it to heart (laughs) or anything thinks about it every night before she goes to bed oh the lights are off this is me that's how people think of me it's all right i'm a glass half empty gal too yeah you are you sure just ask everyone 
<laughs> True crime. Okay. All right, Indiana, back to your story. <laughs> Sorry, we got off. I feel like you guys will know this story. Okay. Possibly. Family vacation gone wrong. Um, but if you do, just pretend you don't. Got it. The Duperalt family lived in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and consisted of 40-year-old Arthur, his 38-year-old wife, Jean, and their three children, Brian, age 14, Terry Joe, age 11, and Renee, age 7. Arthur was a successful optometrist who had been saving money for years so he could take his family on a week-long vacation family cruise to Florida from the Bahamas. Ooh. Nope, from Florida to the Bahamas. Oh. Like he's, going, he's going to fly to the Bahamas and cruise back to Florida. Seems Florida backwards, but okay. is the goal. Listen, they're in Wisconsin. Maybe they don't know. Florida, Florida's incredible. <laughs> been saving going for years. <laughs> from the Bahamas. No offense, Florida. I mean, it's fine. You, you know what you did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have gators and stuff, so. Unforgivable. Get out of here. <laughs> gators and haters. <laughs> that was so clever. Thank you. <laughs> I <It's> love <true>. that. <laughs> you know what you did. He had sailed there during the war and wanted his family to see the sights and enjoy the tropical weather instead of facing another cold Wisconsin winter. What is funny about this? <laughs> He sailed there. <laughs> he did during the war. Oh, okay. Oh, sailboat. No, he was with other people, Florida. like like a battleship, because he was in the war. <laughs> it was just because I was thinking cruise, and you go, he sailed there, and I was like, oh, like on his own personal sailboat, <laughs> just like a little during the war. Okay, okay. all right. Yeah. So that he didn't want his family to go through a cold Wisconsin winter, right? Oh, okay, gotcha. So, yeah. Cheese curds. <laughs> they're probably cold in the winter <laughs> you know they're, they're only available in summer frozen cheese is a bummer <laughs> big time they squeaky pack. when you chew it yeah <laughs> Ew. it is okay the family planned to spend a week living on a chartered yacht while docking at several chosen locations along the way mm. oh they're going fancy yeah i think like a cruise ship years. No, no like a private cruise Ooh, oh okay so the Duperots arrived in Fort Lauderdale in early November 1961. There, they chartered a 60-foot sailboat called the Bluebell. Arthur Duperot hired a yokel... Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yokel? <laughs> it's because of the next word. A local yachtsman. <laughs> He's a yokesman. <laughs> made a yoke. Yeah. Got it. Uh, to skipper the boat. It's going to be a cute. skipper. So many things about boats are so cute. Little skipper. He's a yokel guy. He's a yokel. <laughs> uh, this was 44-year-old Julian Harvey, a Marine and decorated war veteran. And his wife, Mary, would be on board to be the cook. And so, on Wednesday, November 8th in 1961, the Duperalt family boarded and the boat was last seen leaving the port early that afternoon. The next four days were just the family that the, no, just the vacation that the family needed. <laughs> my dyslexia is, great. my dyslexia is kicking in real hard today. Was it typhoid Mary? Did she, was she the cook? <gasps> Maybe. Mary, Mary. She came back. They traveled to different ports in the Bahamas. They went snorkeling, collected shells, bought souvenirs, all the things. And on Sunday, their last day before they would head home, Arthur Duperalt met with a government official. They had to claim whatever they bought to leave the Bahamas. Yeah. And this official later reported that, that Arthur had said this has been a once-in-a-lifetime vacation and that they would definitely be back before Christmas. 
saying that they wanted to come back. This is perfect. We're all happy. If this is all just a murder plot, I'm going to be mad at him. Okay. Newsflash. Art. Newsflash. I feel like it is. That evening, Mary made chicken cacciatore and Ooh. salad, and they all had a lovely dinner. Wow. Last dinner. Soon after dinner, 11-year-old Terry Joe walked below deck to her cabin to go to bed. Everyone else stayed on deck. So the next afternoon on Monday, crew members on an oil tanker observed a man on a dinghy. Again, skipper mm-hmm. in the dinghy. Mm-hmm. Which is a small rowboat or life raft. Off the side of a little of another boat. Mm-hmm. It is officially off the side. It's on its own. <laughs> they observed this man waving frantically. It is. <laughs> yes. Lone dinger. Uh, lone dinger. <laughs> Things are about to get sad. We have to be serious. Oh, okay. <clears throat> Yep. Ready. Just wait for my next sentence. Oh, shit. Not this one, but the next one. Uh, okay. um, so they observed this man waving frantically and shouting to them for help. And, oh, wait, it is this one. Uh, he said there was a dead baby on board. Oh, God. That is awful. So the crew observed the body of little Renee, little seven-year-old Renee, inside the dinghy wearing a life jacket. Aw. Once on board, the man identifi- identified himself as Julian Harvey and said he was the skipper on the Bluebell but told them that around 8.30 the previous evening, the boat was hit by a sudden strong storm, and that caused the bluebell to rapidly keel over. It snapped the main mast, which then fell and pierced the main body of the boat. He Mm. said that he was separated from everybody because of where the mast had fallen, um, but that he had attempted to grab tools to clear some of the debris so he would be able to assist the others. Unfortunately, he reported that he... As he was gathering tools, a sudden fire broke out, and he wasn't able to rescue anyone. He was forced to abandon the boat that was sinking and everyone on board, and he hopped in the dinghy. He said Renee's body went floating by, so he brought her on board and unsuccessfully attempted resuscitation. An autopsy later revealed that she had died of drowning. Mm. So because of their location, Harvey was taken to Nassau because they're still in the kind of the Bahamas area. And he was questioned by their authorities. They started to become suspicious when Harvey was a little too calm for experiencing all of that trauma. And they also noticed that there was a large amount of survival supplies on the dinghy like he had planned ahead. He had lots of time to, yeah. But the story couldn't be disproven, so he was allowed to leave the Bahamas and go to Miami, where the United States Coast Guards would question him further. Three days after Harvey was found, which was a day after the incident, a Greek freighter spotted a two-foot by five-foot cork float, which is very small. Okay. They then noticed a young blonde child dressed in a white cotton blouse and pink corduroy pants, waving very weakly. The crew go to rescue her, but notice that sharks are circling near the the float, so they have to wait a while, but eventually they get a life raft to her and bring her on board. This is where the crew noticed that the child was incoherent, could barely talk, was not looking good at all. They gave her water and orange juice and tried to help get all of the caked salt off of her body and they put Vaseline on her lips which were very swollen and cracked she was able to identify herself as Terry Jo Duperalt and that she told the crew that she had been floating for several days because her boat sank she quickly declined and the Coast Guard was notified and so a rescue helicopter airlifted her to a Miami hospital in critical condition there she was diagnosed with severe sunburn severe dehydration and exposure Some reports say heart failure up in the air. Either way, she was in bad shape. 
She recovered fairly quickly, though. Thankfully, she's a child and children kind of rebound well. And she was able to speak with authorities about what happened within a few days after her arrival to the hospital. She said late Sunday night, they had started towards Fort Lauderdale to return home. She went to sleep in her cabin around 9 p.m., leaving everyone else on the deck. So this checks out. Right. But here's where it differs. She was woken up later that evening by the sounds of her brother screaming, along with heavy footsteps. So she goes up to check it out. This is where she saw the body, the bloody bodies of her brother and her mom in the main cabin. She went further onto the deck and saw Harvey carrying a bucket. And when he saw her, he hit her and shoved her back below deck and yelled at her to get back in her room. So she runs to her cabin again. But about 15 minutes later, she notices oil and water gushing into the floor of her cabin. So they're taking on water pretty quickly. Harvey comes into her cabin with a rifle in hand. They make eye contact, but he leaves. So after that, Terry Jo hears hammering sounds. And she goes back up to check on what's going on, especially because her room is almost filled with water by this time. And she sees Harvey standing at the side of the boat where the dinghy was floating nearby. Harvey told her to hold on to the rope that held the dinghy near them while he went to go get something. But by the time he got back, she had lost her grip on the rope and the dinghy was floating away. So Harvey jumped into the ocean and swam to the dinghy, dinghy, abandoning Terry Joe on the now sinking boat. Luckily, she was a quick thinker and remembered a small cork float that was tied to the deck. She untied it and threw it over the side. By this point, the water was now starting to take over the whole thing, the main deck. So she like half swam, half crawled to the float, climbed on it and drifted for nearly four days. She was on a float so small. She had to sit upright the entire time. I don't know how she slept. I don't know how she had anything. Um, She said at some point that the parrotfish were biting at her feet. And so she had to try and keep them up the whole time while she's also trying to sit up the whole time. God, that's awful. It it is. Terry and Joe had even more enlightening information for investigators. She said that there was no fire. The mast was completely intact Hmm. and that the seas were calm during that time. I don't say. The day after they found Terry Joe. Before they had spoken to her, because she's still in critical condition at this point, Harvey was still being questioned and had maintained that this sudden storm was the cause and that there was all of this destruction to the boat and that it was impossible for him to have rescued his wife or any of the Duperalt family. But halfway through this interrogation on that day, he was informed that Terry Joe had been found. He said, oh, my God, and then quickly added, isn't that wonderful? You'd think it would be pretty easy to disprove if a storm happened. <laughs> In the 60s? I mean, sure. I, I I agree. I think you would think so. Like weather meteorologists yeah. would be like, mm, yeah, there know, was I no storm. I don't what like, the weather tracking abilities were at that time. True. That's true. I don't know. I'm just shocked that they found her. Yeah. After they notified him that she was found, he was informed that they were going to open an official investigation into the loss of the Bluebell that day. Since it was still voluntary at this time, he excused himself from the interrogation, said he was tired and wanted to speak with his wife's family. He went to a nearby motel, used the name John Monroe, and paid cash, went to his room, and took his own life. Mm -hmm. Interesting. He did leave um, a two-page note, but it left no explanations or apologies, uh, only requesting to be buried at sea. Gladly. I watched a TikTok recently of somebody being buried at sea. Yeah. It is fascinating. 
Do they do it like in Game of Thrones where they put them on like a little raft and set them on fire? And- it's like the Vikings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never I'm seen curious. Game of Thrones, but they were on this boat and they were wrapped up really well. They had flowers all over and the boat, the edge of it tilted so that they would just dive into the water. And there? they're weighted so that they just sink down. Okay. This TikTok Not said- Not my idea of buried at sea. <laughs> said it cost approximately $3,000 to be buried at sea. You could probably find a guy who could throw your body in there for free. I'm sure you can find it cheaper. (laughs) You can find a guy. (laughs) I know a guy. (laughs) Put an ad out out there. there. I'm sorry. Throw my dead body into the sea. Please weigh me down, though. (laughs) Weigh me down. (laughs) Just scare everybody when you float to the top. I want to see the anglerfish. The anglerfish. (laughs) Oh, no. You'd have to be buried way out there. I have to go way out in the deep. I heard that the anglerfish, the one with the light bulbs, are the females. I have no clue. And the males are not that interesting. They're nightmare fuel. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's I know. true for human nature, too. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, guys. Mm, we have light bulbs. <laughs> the men are not that interesting. From within. <laughs> <laughs> so the Coast Guard's official report concluded that the remaining Duperalts and Mary had all lost their lives at the hands of Harvey prior to the ship sinking. So by this time, with Terry Joe's testimony and Harvey's suicide, they looked into his history. They found that he had difficulty holding a job, had serious financial problems, and had recently arranged a double indemnity insurance policy for the life of his sixth wife, Mary. Hmm. Looking further into his background, they discovered that he had survived a car accident that killed his second wife and her mother when the car he was driving plunged off a bridge and into a bayou where he was able to swim to to safety. Uh Uh-huh. Fishy. But left the other women to drown. Uh, He had also previously sunk a ship after running into a submerged wreckage in shallow water. Apparently, the crew members had warned him to stay away from the wreckage because it was prominent. The water was shallow. But he drove right into it and claimed that he was reading an inscription on the buoy marking the site. (laughs) I just got to get a little closer. (laughs) I'm trying to read this. It's a buoy. It's history. (laughs) It's important. Another boat of his sank off the coast of Cuba. What? All of those tragedies had provided him with large okay. insurance settlements. Yep. Okay. There's the motive. Investigators then concluded that Harvey planned to kill his wife to collect on her $20,000 double indemnity insurance policy, which would yield double the insured sum if she died accidentally. Poor Mary. She didn't even see it coming. She did not. They theorized that Harvey might have been caught killing his wife and couldn't risk having any other witnesses. And so he killed everybody else. And they believe he saw Renee's body and brought it on board to the dinghy to make his story appear more credible. Mm -hmm. So he's awful. Why Mm -hmm. did he let the girl live, though? Terry Joe. Yeah. So he left her on a sinking boat. He He thought she was never thought she would live. That's why he was so shocked that they told whenever they told her told him that she was alive. And he's like, well, this is it for me. Oh, thanks a lot. I'm going to go turn out the lights. There goes that plan. It's like he had a little bit of morality when he came in with the sh- with the rifle, looked at her and didn't shoot her. Right. But then just left her. Right. He's like, I'll just let her sink. Terry Joe returned to Green Bay to live with family. The coping strategies at the time, 60s, uh, were to essentially ignore the tragedy mm-hmm. and pretend everything was okay and normal. So she had some rough patches while growing up and didn't speak about the ordeal publicly for 20 years. She married and had three children, and as an adult, she chose to live and work near the ocean. Mm. 
And this was in a way as a way to feel close to her family again. Aww. And she thought that the ocean was what protected her. And so she wanted to protect the ocean as well. Aww. She released a memoir co-authored by a psychologist. The book was named Alone, Orphaned on the Ocean and details the family's cruise, the murders, the time she spent drifting in the ocean and her life after being rescued. In later interviews, she has said she doesn't want to be remembered as the poor little girl, but as someone who has gone on with her life, hoping her story can help others. And that is a very sad family vacation. That For real. Terrible. I had not heard of that story. You haven't? No, I haven't either. She went on Oprah and she's been on like the story itself has been on several survivor, like survival episodes of I Survived and shows like that. It's just a fascinating story. It really is. It's very, very sad. And like I said, I can't believe that they found her. Right. She's like a little speck in the ocean. And that she was alive for four days without food or water. Yes. Yeah. So they, the guy that found her on the Greek freighter, he was just looking out like the white caps and he saw this little thing and he's like, well, that's too small to be a boat, but it's too big to be just, you know, Love something that. white in the water. So he told his captain and his captain looked as well and saw like, oh, I think that's a person. So he like stopped the engines and they got real close and uh, saw that it was her and they were able to rescue her. Okay. Side note, new fear unlocked. Mm -hmm. You're trapped in the ocean. Okay. It's been days. You obviously feel like shit. Mm -hmm. You're barely surviving. Yeah. And then you just see this huge ass boat. And what if they don't see you and you survived all those days and it just like plows over you? Yeah. Or what? Sharks were just like no, circling her. Sharks are expected. Okay. The boat is supposed to save me. But instead it doesn't see me and it just fucking plows me over. Uh, so horrifying. you're probably about to die anyway. What's also mm. horrifying no, is you. that. <laughs> I would have survived. Okay. Within, within, <laughs> within a few hours, the Coast Guard went and picked up that cork raft and it disintegrated in his hands. So she was really on borrowed time. Well, thanks. Hate it. <laughs> You're welcome. I mean, at least there was one survivor. Yeah. yeah. She lost her family. And that's terrible. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. All right. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much, guys, for tuning in this week to our true crime episode. You can always find us at thetipsyghost.com with our socials link from there, or you can send us an email at thetipsyghost at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star rating and a great review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate it, and it really does help. All right. Thanks so much, guys. We will see you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. bye.